The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. joined by my co-host today, Mark Schofield. Um, Oxnard came and went. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't even feel like it, but they are done in Oxnard. They uh, have their they're traveling today to Denver for their joint practice slash mock game against the Broncos, which will be on Thursday this week. So see Oxnard. They're, they're heading out and they're going to do their practicing with the Broncos. They got preseason games and they're heading back to Dallas to do all their practicing and rest of training camp from Frisco uh, at the star. So we, uh, we got to training camp and now we're done. And now we just pretty much we're, we're floating coasting to the, to the regular season, but we're going to talk about a little bit of that today before we get started. Mark, you hanging in there? I, I'm headed in there. I'm glad you asked that because we had some technical difficulties <laughs> trying to get logged in. My computer decided that, you know, 10 minutes before we were set to record that, Oh no, now is the perfect time for an update. <laughs> So I tried logging into my phone and I was like sideways and Connor was like, what, what, what is happening over there? So I'm like, oh wait, no, my computer just finished restarted. So I'll, I'll hop on. And then Zoom decided that was a perfect time to restart. Connor legitimately texted me a minute ago. Did you die? <laughs> um, so we're off to a good start kids, but Hey, you know, we've got a kicking battle to talk about. Yeah. We got uh Brett Maher who's coming back to somehow he's still hanging around and he's in Dallas, the last two days kicking with Liram Halawaluhu Habalabagua. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. But he wrote the book on kicking, apparently, <laughs> which I learned last week, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Well, and that's kind of what we talked about last show is like we had all these different. They signed Anthony Barr. As soon as we got yeah. off, it was like the next day they signed Anthony Barr. So they obviously listened to the podcast because we the whole theme of it was they need to change their philosophy if they want to get better. They listened to the show and they said, you know what? These guys are geniuses. We do. And they went out and they signed Anthony Barr. And we had talked about Anthony Barr yeah. like a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah, sign him. Perfect, perfect, perfect guy for the team. You, you know, they needed linebacker depth and they needed um, edge depth. And he can kind of provide both of those things. And we talked about the kicking situation. 
Now, would I have gone a different direction than Brett Maher? Absolutely, because I know what Brett Maher is. But, I mean, you had to do something different because Jonathan Garibay was so bad that you couldn't allow him to keep showing up to practice and keep missing kicks because it was just for the team's sake, they would look at that and be like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Yeah, and – you know, again, it's not receiver. It's not offensive line. Like right. the two positions we really focused on the most, but at least it's signs of acknowledgement that like, hey, we might need to get some help in. And, you know, I think Barr is a very interesting sign in because like you said, he can give you depth at both off ball and on the edge. I woke up this morning to a lot of clips of Micah Parsons coming off the edge of practice yesterday and People were saying, like, this is textbook bend, like, all the right things, and they're exactly right because he's a freak. If now this lets you free him up for, like, two or three more snaps a game at edge, it's worth it. Um, The kicker thing is, again, it's an acknowledgement that you're not always going to be kicking extra points, as as Jerry said. You know, that was his desire. You know, well, we want shorter kicks. Well, you're not always going to get that. Is it, like you said, the guy that you'd like to see? No, because you know what he is and you know what he isn't, but and might at least offer some semblance of stability, right? And and as we often talk about the on this show, it's not necessarily like the end result, it's the process. And I will yeah. give them a lot of credit for doing this early and not doing it two and a half weeks from now. Right. Like giving him the game, giving him back to Frisco and still missing kicks. And then they're like scrambling to bring in a guy. At least they went in a direction where they said, okay, look, this guy, we're familiar with him. He used to kick here. It didn't end great, but let's see if he's worked on some of the things that he didn't do well two years ago. So they did it early enough to where if this doesn't work out, they can still go in a different direction if they need to. And that's where I'll give them two thumbs up and go, thank you for – because for years they would have waited until they got back to Dallas after the first preseason game. Let's see how he kicks in game, practice in game or different, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't. They 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 took it upon themselves to get ahead of the the issue – to a certain extent, and and I will give them credit for that. In the same breath, I still don't, I still don't understand how after, how after last year went with Greg Zerline and how bad the kicker situation's been here since Dan Bailey that they didn't at least hedge their bets a little bit safer with the kicking situation going into this year. But I will give them the offseason credit that I feel like they tried to fix it a little bit earlier than they usually would. So give them some yeah. credit while also smacking him a little bit <laughs> yeah and I, I like to use the word early because you know not that belichick the general manager is like the best at what he does right. because there's a lot of people up in new england right now and by right. the way you want to see a fan base that's panicking <laughs> cowboys fans listening to the show dip your toes into patriots twitter waters right now because there is like full-fledged panic about that the, offense the, the coordinators yeah, well, and and the fact that they've decided to, like, switch to this, like, McVay-Shanahan outside yeah. zone, wide zone that has people just, like, losing their minds because I had somebody tell me that was at practice the other day that he's seen Pop Warner practices where the offenses were more effective. Like, yeah, not great. But as for Belichick, the GM, you know, he's often said it's better to be early than late. Right. Like, this is something he said when they had Brady – and they would draft a quarterback like every other season. Like when they draft, this is ex- what he said when they drafted Garoppolo in the second round. He's like, it's better to be early rather than late. Like, cause then, like you said, you're in that situation where you're scrambling, whether it's trying to replace an injured quarterback or trying to figure out who's going to be kicking for you in week one when it's like the week of week one and it's been final roster cutdowns and you don't have a lot of options there. The fact that they went early on these two moves here 
is a very good sign that, yeah, maybe that little shift is upon us. And so I think that's good. Let me ask you this. We have a depth chart. Do you read anything into that whatsoever? Um, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday in, in a different group chat, just kind of going back and forth on where we thought the, cause, cause they fib on those all the time, you know, where right. it's like, Oh, we, we still got to make this guy go out and earn it. And I think that the one glaring spot there is at left guard. Um, I think they still have Connor McGovern listed as a starter and Tyler Smith listed as a backup. But I mean, I mean, Tyler Smith has had his issues in training camp so far too. And, and that's one thing that I don't think is being, I didn't like the draft pick of Tyler Smith. I think everything he's done since being drafted, he's done what he needs to do. He answered the questions the right way. He's worked the right way. I think he had a much better training camp than I expected him to have. But I still think at the same time, we're kind of glossing over some of the issues he's had. You, you hear some people who watch practice every day and they go, look, Tyler Smith's been fine, but he hasn't been this dominant force that people are making him out to be. That's right. why they haven't handed him that job yet. Cause there's still a lot of issues there. So I don't want to get too, you know, too, too aggressive and going, oh, he's absolutely 100% earned that starting left guard job. I think he will by the start of week one. But that was the only one to me that really stood out because, I mean, they have, I guess the other one I'll say is that having Simi Fajoko was like the, the X3 behind a couple other guys and having Dennis Houston is up higher. That kind of surprised me a little bit, but. Other than that, I mean, I think everything's more of a uh, we'll just keep it the way it is and see who plays well in preseason, see who's finished off these practices strong, and then we'll adjust it as we go into week one. I mean, what I thought Connor was kind of interesting was even though we knew it was going to be this way, officially seeing seeing Tolbert listed as a starter. Right. Like a lot of times, like somebody shared because Traylon Burks was like listed as like X3 or something in Tennessee, and there were some Titans fans that were like, oh my God, what what's Right. And the people pointed out that AJ Brown's rookie year, he was like fourth on their depth chart in their first like sort of depth chart that was released right. out in Tennessee. And so the fact that the, the Dallas is basically said, no, 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 this kid's in the starting lineup already. Like, I think he's an acknowledgement that like, yeah, he's performing as well as we're hearing and they're not even going to toy around with it. Not going to play the whole rookie. I mean, again, to bring up Belichick, Taekwon Thornton, who's actually playing well is wearing number 51 still. Uh, trying to get practices he doesn't have an official number yet it's like ohio state you don't get the stripe as a freshman That's on your right. helmet until you've actually earned it no 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 the, the cowboys are like but tolbert no he's a starter right now which i think is nice to see so but the houston one yeah that surprised me yeah him and, i mean they wise. seem to love him um yeah. i mean i think if we had to do a you know 53-man roster prediction on the show today, he would make my 53-man roster. I, I, I think so, just because they've talked very highly of him. They're giving him a lot of first-team reps. And, again, it's just – I mean, I get that he's like – because he's listed in the slot behind Tolbert right now, right? Yep. I think that's it. They don't really – like, in a perfect world, I think Simi Fajoko or Noah Brown would be great. You know, if you had a depth chart one through six, they'd probably be above him on that. But – neither of those guys play slots. So I think they're looking at it as, Hey, if we need to, you know, Tolbert and CD are going to be bouncing from inside out. We need a guy that if someone gets hurt or someone goes down or someone doesn't perform, we need another slot. And I think Dennis Houston's the only other guy right now comfortable inside and running those routes on the, from the slot. So um, he seems to be a quite a, you know, that, that, that's the one that surprised me the most and outside of the Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern conversation. Yeah. 
Also warms my heart to see a fullback listed on a depth chart. Yeah. He, I don't think we'll, I'm I don't curious, think we'll see him. Again, going back to the 53-man roster projection, like if we were to do that today, I'm, I'm curious to see if they just carry the three running backs or if they carry the four with the fullback. Um, just because four running backs is a lot, especially yeah. when – I mean, again, they'll use Zeke a ton. They'll use Pollard a ton. How much 21 did they even play last year? They don't play it a ton. Um, they just – again, like I think they envision having Pollard play the slot some. You know, Zeke's been banged up the last few years. So I think maybe they would look at carrying maybe an extra running back and the extra fullback. Just because, I mean, they, they do like Rico Dowdle. He seems to be doing pretty pretty good. Um, he's obviously mispracticed the last couple of days with COVID. But their fullback situation is interesting because Mike McCarthy normally loved to use a fullback in Green Bay, but he kind of yeah. lets Kellen Moore do his own thing here, and that doesn't – the fullback in Dallas last year was Connor McGovern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they played – this is sharp per football stats, so the personnel packages last year. 52 snaps of either 21 or 22 personnel. And it's hard to tell because they don't delineate it with right. it was true 21 or it was like 21 with, like you said, Connor McGovern at fullback. So, right. I mean, you're talking they, like they did do that a lot. They yeah. did the, the they called it the Mac package and they ran that, all, especially goal line, short yeah. down a distance. Like they brought Connor, I mean, Connor McGovern off the top of my head probably had 20 snaps at fullback last year. I mean, so that's probably half of those right there. Right. So it's not really even a true fullback. So, yeah, that makes me think that unless they've had some sort of philosophical shift that like, yeah, we want to run an actual fullback out there. We want this to look like San Francisco. It's probably going to be just the three running backs. And yeah, you know, I maybe think so too. stash him on the practice squad or something. Right. No, I agree. Um, no, I agree. Um, so let's – I want to talk a little bit about they got this Broncos scrim. I guess we'll call it a scrimmage. That's probably the best thing to say, but – more of like an organized scrimmage. It's going to be a joint practice, I think is what they call it, but kind of, you know, our offense will go up against their defense, their defense will go up against whatever. Um, what are you looking for and stuff like that to see? Because, again, training, training camp is somewhat scripted. You know, it's one-on-ones. You know what you're going to get. Though. But in that situation, you you are – there's going to be a little bit more competitive – into those practices, into those reps. What are you looking for from a position perspective, from a drill perspective to go, okay, this team, you know, this player, this position, this group is definitely ahead of Denver's group. You know, we, we feel good about this more so than the training camp practices and, and reps that they do in the training camps. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'll sort of draw the New England par- parallel because, you know, with the struggles from the Patriots offense right now, there's a lot of concern that like that this new offense isn't going to work. The offense is bad. That things are bad. And Darte Skarnecchia, you know, retired offensive line coach, Hall of Famer, like one of the best position coaches that there is, said, look, it, when you get to joint practices, when you get to training camp games, that's when you get a better measuring stick of where you actually are. Right. Because right. like you said, look, people are saying like, oh, you know, there's a lot of concern about who's calling plays. There's concern about X, Y and Z. It's all scripted. Like, right. you know what plays you're going to run in practices, right? You you know what defenses are going to be called because you want to get the offensive look against that defense. You want to get the defensive look against that offense. Like, it's all scripted. Once you get into these little joint practices, then you open things up a bit, and it's a better measuring stick. And so 
I think what I want to see first and foremost through that lens of, okay, now we can truly evaluate where we are as a team. You want to see how the offensive line looks. You want to see if in team drills and I, you we've been to enough senior bowls and things like that to know like offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones don't matter. They don't care. Like if you're an offensive lineman and you can get to a stalemate, you've won. Like you probably saw that Jordan Davis clip, right? Right. People probably saw that. And people were like roasting that small undersized center. And Mitchell Schwartz came on and said, he basically held his own. Like it, it looks like he's getting whooped, but he gave the quarterback four seconds to throw, which is all you can ask for. It's so funny. I can't remember how many senior bowls it was ago. Um, I somehow snuck onto the field with like the media, you know, like the the camera people. Yeah. I was like right behind the one-on-ones and standing there with like the camera crews and everything. And I was watching. I can't remember who it was. And I can't remember what year it was, but they were talking about that technique, the hop technique, or I don't know. They got a word for it. I don't know what it is, but like when you're getting bull rushed, they were like, what we want to see you do in one-on-ones especially is like get the legs back, sit in the legs, re-anchor, get the legs back. sit Cause if you start to rise up on that and they're below you, you're going to get, put on your ass so they like i thought it was so funny how many people were killing cam jurgens like oh look at him he looks stupid and i'm like that's actually i mean i I wouldn't have known this unless i was on the field at senior bowl but like that's how they teach yeah center when one-on-one bull rushes to recover and hold because i mean again the the clip was seven seconds long yeah so that's what mitchell schwartz was saying is like that's actually great technique and it took the guy six seconds to get in the backfield the ball's out and you know, what's funny is anytime I try to watch like a center, and I'm sure it's the same thing with you, you're trying to get a, ve- a feel for how they are in pass protection, trying to find a snap, a rep where a center is truly left one on one. It's like needle in a haystack. Like, and, and so the fact that the, the Jerry gets held it that well, I thought was impressive. But it speaks to the fact that, like, when you get one on ones, Cowboys O line against Denver's defensive front, like, don't read that. Don't read too right. much into it. Like, I, I remember I was talking to Owen Reese college offensive lineman college offensive line coach he's like these guys won't have two-way goes when the games start for real like the guys on the defense won't have two-way goes like it's 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 all fake right but in team stuff that's what you want to see can protection hold up is Dak getting sacked are the Cowboys quarterbacks getting sacks are we seeing plays where you know they have to check the ball down or there's nowhere to go can guys separate downfield it's just a nice measure and test of okay You've been hitting guys in the same color jerseys for a couple of weeks, couple of days now. Now you get to do it against guys in orange jerseys instead. Where do we stack up? And Denver's, particularly their secondary, is very good. Yeah, you know. And I want to see can these guys receiver one on ones are different because, like, yeah, you know, cover one, you'll have man coverage situations where you can evaluate these guys. Can receivers separate? This this defensive front from Denver isn't that great. Like, there's a lot of concerns about it. If they're protection holds up well good if it doesn't that's probably a concern because of where denver is and so that's kind of what i'm looking for but what about you staying on the same front but just getting a little bit you know deeper into it terrence Steele. um again we've seen micah parsons run circles around him since and again it's micah parsons you know we 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 that's to be expected but when you take a lesser and again it's not just michael parsons let me rephrase that like we've seen sam williams do it we've seen Dorrance armstrong do it we've seen dante fowler do it so i want to see is it just that this defensive line for the cowboys is, is that good this year and it's not even just terrence Steele. i mean we've seen it with you know tyler biotis we've seen it with connor mcgovern and tyler smith we've seen it even with tyron smith some like they've 
taking their lumps throughout this training camp. It's been a rough training camp for this offensive line. Is that a gold star for the Cowboys defense or is that a, you know, hash mark for the Cowboys offensive line? Because, I mean, again, if you're getting your tail whipped by Demarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, Neville Gallimore, also Diggy Zua, like, great. That, that's good. You know, maybe this defensive line is going to be great. Or if you go out and you get your tail whooped by who, you know, they, they traded Shelby Harris, Von Miller's not there anymore. So you got a bunch of kind of jags almost. I mean, right. again, don't get me wrong. Bradley Chubb's still a really good player. They got some good players on that defensive line. But let's see what you're doing against maybe a less talented group. Um, and yeah, if you still I mean, continue to struggle, does that warning start to – if we hear reports out of Denver this week that Matt Henningsen, their six-round pick, has right. been like in, in Prescott and Cooper Rush's lap like all day long, then you start to worry. Right. Yeah, and I mean, staying on the same path, like you said, the the corners for these Denver teams really good. That's been, and it's two positions we've talked about all offseason, offensive line and receiver for the Cowboys. And and I'm not saying these receivers have been bad in camp because I think they've been better than maybe what I even expected, but it's still been a lot of 50-50 throws. You know, it's still been a lot of, like you said, like you see a lot of these where they're, they're checking it down or they're just throwing a quick slant. Like, can these guys separate in those intermediate to deeper portions of the field against Patrick Sertan and – the rest of that, you know, Denver secondary, you're, you're adding some safety play in, they got Justin Simmons, they got good players on the back end. Can that, you know, have time to step up into the pocket and deliver throws down the field. Like that's something we haven't seen a ton in Oxnard. So I want to see, okay, let's see if they, open. I mean, they're not going to show the playbook, but open it up a little bit more to see, you know, the skill set that these receivers have, you know, Hey, we know you can run the slants. We know you can run the post, but, what are you going to do down the field? What are we going to be able to do in those intermediate, intermediate to deeper portions of the field? And I think that getting, you know, CD lamb, getting CD lamb against Patrick's Sertan, getting Jalen Tolbert against, I mean, Patrick Sertan, they're, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, their whole corner. Any of these guys against Sertan, but like Kareem Jackson, Kareem Jackson. You know, yep. Getting Schultz some reps against Caden Stearns yep. who had a pretty good game against Dallas last year in the regular season. Um, you know, and, and I'm also interested, Connor, the flip side of this. They've got good receivers, too. I yeah. mean, KJ Hamler's back. I know they just lost Tim Patrick. It's like the third year in a row they lost somebody to an ACL, so I don't know what's happening up there. Yeah. But, you know, Judy was sudden. You know, it's going to be a good test for the secondary, too. And obviously, look, there's been a lot of talk about Trayvon Diggs in the past, gosh, six, seven months, let alone the past week or so. But – you know, seeing what he looks like against some of these guys. Um, yeah. I, I think that's going to, those matchups are going to be interesting as well. Yeah. And that's another one too. I mean, if you delete those two clips of one-on-ones, like we talked about the offensive defense line, a lot of the same things can be said for receiver DB, you know, it's. Yeah. I mean, like, I think one of those plays he's expected inside help. Right. And in the form of a safety, like, you know, when you get one-on-ones, it's like, yeah, you know, you're, you're practicing cover one or whatever. So yeah, it's more representative of what's going to happen on a Sunday in a game, but you're still in a cover one situation expected some inside help. You've got a yeah. low hole and a high hole player. I mean, some of these, you might be thinking, Oh, it's zero. Um, okay. But you know, not all of them are. Right. And so, yeah, you still take that with some of their grammar. So, and you see two clips and you don't see the other 30. That's what I'm saying. Actually stride for stride with the receiver yeah, up, up until then. 
I'd say Trayvon Diggs is one of the best players in camp. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm obviously not putting this up on a pedestal, but the play that James Washington got hurt on, Trayvon Diggs was in clamped coverage, yeah. went up to play the ball, and they fell on top of each other. Like it was, I mean, he's been really good minus the one on one rep against Simi Fahoko and CD Lamb. And it's just like, okay, cool. You got beat twice out of how many one-on-one reps you've probably taken in camp yeah. so far. I just corner corners are gonna get beat. It's right. just that Big has become like such a lightning rod for right. like NFL. Which I don't get it. Yeah. I because it I think it's because it's an interesting debate, number one. Like, and I think there's like a deeper philosophical debate. And this is why I mean we've talked about this. I kind of come down on the side that he's a better corner than I think some give him credit for right. because in today's NFL, I think you've got to take some chances. And I'm, I'm, you know, very much in line with the idea of a risk reward corner. I mean, right. he's not the only one. I mean, in New Orleans, Lattimore is the same way. Like right. you're going to take some chances and you're going to get burned sometimes, but you're also going to turn, make some turnovers. And I think that's what you have to do as a defense in the NFL. So I'm fine with it, but I think it's because it's this like interest and philosophical debate. Number one, number two, let's be honest. I love everybody at PFF. They're very good at sort of driving the conversation and you know, when they come out and, you know, according to their numbers, he's given up a thousand yards. Right. Some people push back on that. Some people have done their own, that own analysis. So it's more like 600 or so, which is like in line with what NFL corners give up. I think that sort of drives the conversation as well. And so it's, he's become this lightning rod of NFL discussion, which is interesting because he's a corner. We usually right. see this for like QBs, right? But it's become like a topic that people have yeah. to weigh in on. It's just so interesting to me. You've mentioned the name. Like, to me, they're different but very similar. Like, him and Marshawn Lattimore aren't far apart, but they're talked about in two completely different, like, conversations. Yeah. And again, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't agree that, you know, Trayvon Diggs is as good as Deion Sanders. You know, like, that's the conversation that some homers have is like, oh, Trayvon Diggs is better than whoever. And it's like, well, no, he's a quality corner that takes the ball away a ton. And it's like – if I'm comparing him to somebody else in the league, I kind of look at a Marshawn Lattimore, a guy who takes a risk. He gives up some plays, but you'd still take that guy on your team 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially in today's NFL. Like I, I think you've got to take some chances. You've got to take some risks. You've got to try to manufacture turnovers. And you know, it's like when I did talk to off corners, I had both Lattimore and Diggs in there. I mean, right. I think Lattimore was like seven and Diggs was 12. I had Lattimore bit up and I got crushed from both sides. It was like, right. how can you have Diggs in it? It's like, how can you not have Diggs higher? And it's just like, nobody, there's no gray area when it comes to Trayvon Diggs. It's like, he's either Dion 2.0 right. or he's going to get cut by the time we get to Halloween. Right. Like there's no gray area. Yeah. I guess I just don't get why he's so polarizing i guess is what i'm saying it's just because like i get it like he gives up plays but he gets picks and it's just like both of those things i don't agree with the thousand yards things i mean i see some of the plays that i think they put him on and it's probably more so of the inside safety's fault yep. than it is his but whatever but again like like i feel like you almost have to be like a prick to be as polarized as Trayvon Diggs has been polarized. And he's, 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 he's just like a good dude. Like, he yeah, like that's, that's the thing that I really don't get is like, you expect it like Kirk Cousins and the story about like telling, you know, Zimmer that he just saved right. his job when you let a comeback against the Detroit Lions. Like, right. dude, calm down. Like, like that guy could be polarizing. Diggs is a nice guy. Like, yeah, I don't get it. 
I don't get it at all. I I don't know what it is, but it's not going away. It's like, and, it's like I mean, this is going to hit close home. But it's like the Brady thing. Like some people can't stand oh, Brady because yeah. he's a, a dick, you know? And yeah. it's like some people love Brady because he's a competitor. And it's just like I get how he's polarizing because people are like, oh, he's he's just been carried his whole career because they don't like his attitude or they don't like his personality. But it's just like, I don't get how you can hate Trayvon Diggs. He seems like a pretty, like, easygoing, just, like, happy dude. <laughs> My favorite subject, subset of Twitter, Connor, are the Packers and Patriots fans that yell every day over who is the better quarterback, Brady or Rodgers. And it's 2022, Connor. Like, this isn't like 18, 19 when Brady was still in the wing. They're still doing it every single day. I, I, I wish I, I had the time. I, yeah, I mean, I no, you don't. It's, I don't at all. I wish I did, but I wish I would not be spending it doing that. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, I can see why Brady is polarized. I can see like, right, and I can see why basically quarterbacks are polarizing because right. you know that's the position that everybody wants to talk about to see Diggs become this like center of controversy right. as a corner when all he did was get eleven picks, which is the most. A corner is put up in like 25 years or so. I don't, I don't get, get it, it, but it gives us especially, something, to talk especially about. from a fan base. That's the thing that kills me. It's like Cowboys fans who have complained about not getting turnovers for 20 years. Like yeah. for, for a 10 year period, every year that we showed up to camp, it was like, Oh, well, we get more uh, turnovers this year. They finally got a guy that got more turnovers and now they're complaining that he gives up too many yards. And I'm just like, you guys are brutal, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, do you remember the like Aaron Donald is not a good run defender discussion from like two summers ago. And people pointed out that like, yeah, there are probably times where he takes himself out of plays by like getting penetration up field and, but there are other times when he'll like blow stuff up. Like he's a home run hitter. Like sometimes he's going to swing and miss. It's the same thing with Diggs. Like he's kind of like a home run hitter. Like at times he's going to swing and miss. Okay. And then at times he's going to connect and you're going to be darn glad he did. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it, but we're, we're wrapping things up. I mean, man, we're shoot a month away from regular season. Wow. We've made it. We are a month, four weeks away from football being back. I, I'm, I'm, I was, I was not excited. Training camp started. I still wasn't excited, but they, they're starting to give me a little, little string of hope. Yeah, just when you thought you're out. I know I'm coming back, back in, but I'm excited for preseason, man. I think, I mean, again, for the last couple of years, just from a when I started doing more, you know, covering team, the team, and doing, you know, analysis, like. I like preseason a lot because it gives you a look at some of these guys who are the you know fourth, fifth string guys that maybe they don't make the team this year, but they sit around the practice squad and they come back next year and they're good. Like I, I love like seeing for, those for guys like us that like live in the draft world too. Right. Like, oh yeah, you get a chance to see these guys and it gets a chance. Like we all want to have our priors confirmed. And so when you see a guy that you were like, man, he's not DT 12, he's DT six overall. Like my, you know, Matthew Butler from Tennessee. Like if he falls out at some point in preseason, I'm going to be jumping around and taking victory laps on the timeline. I mean, that's- Do you have any of those guys that you've you've seen so far before we get out of here? Guys that you loved in the draft who were just like playing- Skyler Thompson down in Miami. Every Everything I've read, everybody has been down in his tunnel. Oh, yes. The Kansas State? Yeah. Yep. Quarterback. He looks pretty good. Good. Like he hasn't made a ton of mistakes 
And of course, then, you know, you say anything about a Miami quarterback not named Tua and you get Tua on on you. Right. So, you know, you keep those takes quiet for now. But apparently he's looked pretty good. You got any guys that have showed out for you? I mean, some of those receivers, Alec Pierce is like a starter in Indianapolis. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert's a starter in Dallas. I was higher on them than a lot of people. Um, who was it the other day? Uh, Nick Cross. All right. Remember. Safety. Yeah, he was starting safety on their official depth chart. Um, so there's a couple guys like that that I I was just – I felt like I was a round or two higher on than most people that seem to be doing pretty good. So We love confirming priors. Not not going to take any victory laps yet, though. That's true. You, you saved the victory laps for, like, Thanksgiving time. Right? Yeah, yeah week, Vic- week seven, week eight, if those guys are playing good. Yeah, victory laps in August are never a good thing because no. they can come back to bite you quick. Thanksgiving, I'm the kid with the trumpet chasing the girl down the street with their book bag and people are just going to be like, please shut up. You're Edward Diaz coming out of the bullpen to the trumpets. Yeah, there you go. How hard is that entrance? It's by far the coolest thing that this has happened in major league baseball in a long time. And you know, what was amazing coaching, you know, 11 year olds, 10 year olds, 12 year olds this summer, every tournament, at least two or three kids would have that as their at bat music. Really? Yeah, like the kids are buying it. And so anything that gets kids excited about baseball, I'm all for. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're excited for baseball. We're excited for football season. Um, First preseason game for the Cowboys will be this Saturday. Um, We'll have more to talk about next week on the Talk of the Summer podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you then.